This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Good morning, I'm Larissa Moore. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Friday the 5th of November. In your Squiz today, what's next in the Cleo Smith case? COVID in the Northern Territory? A pledge to move away from coal? And an easy, cheesy tray bake. This is your Squiz today. With four-year-old Cleo Smith safely back home with her parents, the police investigation continues into just what happened. 36-year-old man Terence Darrell Kelly is in custody. He's been charged with one count of abduction, Claire. Yeah, and he's faced the magistrate's court uh, yesterday. He's been remanded in police custody. Police say that they believe that he was working alone when he took Cleo from the family's tent from that blowholes campsite north of Carnarvon on the 16th of October. Uh, Kelly yesterday was twice taken to hospital due to what police said were unserious injuries that he'd inflicted on himself when he was in the police cells. When you get to look at what's in the media this morning, there's quite a few images of Kelly uh, and also pictures of his home. He had a doll room inside his house. There's a lot on Facebook of his love of dolls and uh, certainly there's interviews with locals in Carnarvon talking about him and what sort of guy he was. So uh, expect to see quite a bit of that today. As we mentioned, Cleo is home with her parents. She's had a visit from WA Premier Mark McGowan. He flew to Carnarvon and to thank the police officers involved in the search. With the investigation still ongoing, Cleo's parents have been advised not to talk to her about her ordeal and specialist child interview officers will speak to Cleo. Yeah, they've started that process already. The family went to the police station yesterday to start that interview process and it sounds like there's a lot more to come on that front. Her parents have been given instructions about how to speak to Cleo so that they don't compromise the investigation and what police have said is that her family have been very cooperative and understanding of that whole process. As we said, the investigation continues. Not too many other details are being talked about so as not to jeopardise that investigation investigation. The police are asking businesses in Carnarvon for any CCTV footage from the day before she was taken up until she was rescued. More to come on this one. The Northern Territory has recorded its first case of community transmission since the start of the pandemic, Claire. Catherine residents will go into lockdown while residents of Greater Darwin will go into a lockout. Incredible to think, isn't it, that it's been 20 months Mm. or so since COVID first kicked off and the Northern Territory has been free of that community transmission, but that's not the case anymore. What they say is that an unvaccinated man who's a contract worker at RAAF base near Catherine has COVID and he has been in the community in that Catherine area, as well as in the Greater Darwin area. Uh, They're very concerned about that Catherine region because of its high Indigenous population. So Catherine is in a lockdown for 72 hours. And then it's a lockout for the Greater Darwin region. What that means is that if you're vaccinated, you can head outside with a mask on, otherwise it's all okay. Uh, For unvaccinated residents, though, they don't get the same deal. They go into the same lockdown that Catherine's in. Community transmission, of course, means that the source of the infection is unknown. The lockdown slash lockout was announced at 10pm last night and will go for the next three days. The Northern Territory is sitting at 65% fully vaccinated. The national average is at 79%. 
another day of discussions and another pledge coming out of COP26, the climate summit in Glasgow. More than 70 countries and 100 organisations have agreed to officially make the move away from coal-fired power. Spoiler alert, Claire, Australia is not one of the countries to make the commitment. We are not, and our electricity grid really relies on coal. What our policymakers say is that we're just not ready to make that sort of transition away from coal-fired power because we need the reliability of the power source that that generates. But plenty of countries have signed up to that. That includes other major coal users, including Canada and Poland and Vietnam. Coal across the world provides about 40% of the world's electricity, so it really is a big source of supply. There's a big adjustment to happen to move away from that, and and certainly as you look at emissions, coal is a big part of the emissions problem, so there's a big transition to happen. Yeah, the UN says that ending the use of coal is key to trying to keep global warming to 1.5 degrees. Reports say that 2022 could see record emissions as countries try to recover from the pandemic. For example, in China, they're already 7% higher than they were in 2019 as their economy tries to rally and recover. Over to the US for this one. It was back in February last year that 25-year-old black man Armored Avery was shot dead by three white men while jogging through their neighbourhood. It happened a few months before the murder of George Floyd and authorities were then criticised during the time of the Black Lives Matter protests for how long it took to make arrests in the case. The case has now come to court and is causing headlines again, Claire, especially around the makeup of the jury. Yeah, it's a nearly all-white jury that's been selected and there was quite a kerfuffle about that yesterday in the court. Because George's population is about 40% black, uh, what prosecutors said was that it was very unfair that the jury has been skewed uh, in that direction, but the judge was unable to make any changes to that under their laws. This is a case that has been quite prominent in the last 18 months or so. As you say, it was the rise of that Black Lives Matter a movement that really did put a spotlight on it. Uh, the big issue there was that it was only when video footage was released that authorities made any arrests in that case. Uh, until then, they weren't prepared to make any arrests and that's been really a source of great criticism. It's set to be a prominent and divisive case. Expect to hear plenty more on this one. The Booker Prize winner has been announced. Claire, the Booker is arguably the biggest literary prize in the world. It's gone to South African author Damon Galgut for his novel The Promise. I haven't read any books this year, Larissa. I'm really <laughs> embarrassed to say. You used to be such a good reader of the Booker shortlist, uh, yeah. at least, and I just haven't got there this year. Uh, but I've got great hopes of doing something over the summer holidays. So uh, I might check this one out and put it on the list. Certainly, when it comes to what the judges said about it, they said that it was really a tour de force, that it has dense historical and metaphorical significance. Uh, What it's about is a family with a black maid in South Africa in that apartheid era. It goes up to the present day. So a bit heavy, but they say that it's really good. It's the third time lucky for Galgut. He's just missed out with two of his previous novels. I'll put a link to it in your episode notes. 
From books to cooking, each Friday, Claire, you give us a squeeze at something you've enjoyed cooking up. This week's recipe says to grab a baking tray, dump it in, let the cheese do its thing. So it actually sounds like my kind of cooking. <laughs> dump and cheese, is that mm-hmm. the, <laughs> the two key words? Simple, easy cheese. Yeah. Uh, look, things <laughs> are so busy at the moment. I don't know anyone that's not just flat out doing mm. whatever it is that they need to do. I think we're in this post-lockdown rush to get things done before Christmas yes, <laughs> sort of kicks in. <laughs> so these sort of meal ideas where you can just put things in a tray, put it in the oven, let it do its thing for a while and then come back to a delicious meal really appeal to me at the moment. And this is a really good one. It's a beef taco rice tray bake with a spicy avocado dressing. Yum. I'll pop it in your episode notes. We've also got a link in this week's Friday Lights to Vogue's feature on Lady Gaga for her new movie House of Gucci. That's out on Boxing Day. Looks really good. Can't wait to see that one. There's plenty more news in the Squiz Today newsletter, including links to all of the info that we've covered today. There's also a link to the weekly Squiz quiz. You can test how well you've been across the news. Squiz Today, Claire, what are you keeping an eye on? It's National Cabinet today. Haven't had a National Cabinet meeting for about five weeks. So Prime Minister Scott Morrison is back in the country. There's lots to catch up on, including what's happening in the Northern Territory. Yeah, we haven't heard about National Cabinet in a while. Something that caught my eye, Monopoly was launched on this day back in 1935 and has caused approximately 20 billion family (laughs) fights since then. And if you're a fan of supergroup ABBA, they have released a new album today. It's called Voyage. It's their first album in four decades. Sounds like a good excuse to put on a bit of Dancing Queen and head into the weekend. Have a good one. We will be back with you on Monday. message now from our podcast partner, BHP. The steel made from iron ore plays an important role in providing the production of our energy infrastructure, from wind turbines to power poles. So cutting carbon emissions in iron ore production is key. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power its port facilities at Port Headland. It's happening now at BHP.